Good afternoon. Welcome to your North Carolina Court of Appeals. Uh, my name is Judge Chris Dill, and I'll be presiding today. To my left is Judge Fred Gordon, and right is Judge Hunter Murphy. Thank you to our uh, clerk today, uh, Eddie Saunders, and to Richard Rimmelar, our marshal. We have one case on the counter today. It's Ballhead Island um, versus Ballhead Island Transportation. And so we'll hear from the appellant. And please let me know if you want to reserve a little time for rebuttal. Yes, Your Honor. I'd like to reserve five minutes for rebuttal. Okay. May it please the court. My name is Kip Nelson. I'm here with David Farrell on behalf of the appellants. Your Honors, a parking lot at Southport and a roll-on, roll-off barge have been operating for decades. And of course, they have been operating without any regulation by the North Carolina Utilities Commission. The ultimate owner of these operations is an estate trying to liquidate, therefore interested in finding a purchaser. The village of Baldhead Island expressed interest in purchasing both the utility and non-utility functions but did not offer a market value price. I, I want to ask a question real quick regarding the ownership, just so I'm, I'm clear on it. The estate owns the stock in these corporations. Is there anything keeping the under the order that's in place, keeping the estate from liquidating the stock in that corporation to, to sell the stock to, you know, if Joe Blow off the street decides he wants to buy all the stock in the corporation, is there anything stopping it? And that under this order? I don't believe the order addresses the estate, which is the, the ultimate owner. Um, the, the order itself only addresses the corporation getting rid of their assets or transferring them without approval. That, that is correct. Not to transfer the stock interest. That is correct. Thank you. And, and that ownership is important because that's really the impetus of how this case started. Um, after the village um, was unwilling to offer a, a market value price, the owners turned to and announced their intention to sell the operations to Sharpview Capital, managed by Lee Roberts. And at that point, the village turned to the Utilities Commission and asked it to regulate what had never been regulated before. The commission, of course, accepted that invitation and in an unprecedented decision held that it could expand its jurisdiction to cover what it deems important or in the public interest. So if it's a utility, the commission has the authority to, to determine who can buy and, or they can have input on that. Is that correct? Nor, I mean, if it's a utility. And if, if what is a utility? If I mean, the barge or the, if the yeah, because if the statute's confusing because it talks about companies being utilities, but then it talks about operate enterprises. And so you. Well, and I agree. And that's why I was trying to clarify. The statute's sort of a little confusing. A, a public utility is defined as the person, the entity, but it also, the statute is also very clear that an entity can offer utility and non-utility services. So the question of jurisdiction depends on what is being done. Because the statute says if, it's, if, they, do, if they do an operation, an enterprise, it's not a utility, a public utility, but public utility is a, as an entity, not an operation. But that's why it's a little confusing. But, but assuming it was a public utility, they could, they have authority to, to at least be involved with, with the, with who might buy or sell, they could have, if it was. That, that is correct. Okay, and to the extent it's offering utility service, certainly the, the commission has jurisdiction over that. That's, that's the purpose of, of the commission. Uh, but of course the commission is a creature of the legislature. It only has the authority granted to it by the general assembly. It can only regulate what the legislature has said it can regulate. Why isn't the barge a public utility? Doesn't it transport household goods for money? It, it does not, Judge Dillon. The barge is solely an, an intermodal link. It, it allows a commercial vehicle to drive onto the barge and then drive off to the island. But the compensation is solely based on the space that the vehicle takes. So it, it's not dependent on whether it's empty or carrying household goods or anything else. So it's not like if I'm a, if I'm a homeowner, I can put a large armoire or something on it. It has to be on a truck or something. That, that is correct, and the compensation uh -huh. is solely based on the vehicle space allocated on the barge. And that's important um, because the, the village, of course, has argued that there's this provision in the statute that would allow jurisdiction here. That's not something the commission reached, but even if this court were to look past that, it does not apply here given the undisputed facts because the persons or household goods are not being um, moved for compensation under the terms of the statute. Can I ask you a question just about Kind of some of the statutory history you know th this part d was there back when southern um the southern bell cases were were decided similar language has been kind of moved around a little bit but one of the the, the 
the statutes I found interesting was in 1995 when, when the statute was rewritten was entitled in part an act to conform the provisions of the public utilities chapter of the general statutes to the federal preemption of state regulation of interstate transportation intrastate transportation of property except household goods what was the legislature doing with what 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 was the statutory concept going on there you know what was the federal preemption issue you know if it we're not dealing with household goods if we're talking about other items in, of property being transported is there some type of federal preemption issue that, that the, the statute's concerned about i didn't really pick up on much of that in, in your briefings i just wanted to yeah. kind of clarify that because seeing that that name of the bill was was very confusing to me there there's not a preemption issue here because the federal law specifically exempts intra-state transportation however th that is important judge murphy because the the barge is regulated and inspected by the United States Coast Guard, which of course inspects it and regulates it as a freight barge, not a passenger ferry, as the, as the commission seemed to assume this was. There are no passengers on this barge. Um, and so that's important. It's not a preemption issue, but it is important to note that the federal government is regulating it as a freight barge, which is what the, the owners have been saying all along. So my understanding is that the individual drivers or no one is charged as a quote-unquote passenger on the freight barge. It is just the pricing structure is set up based upon the size of the vehicle that comes across. That, that is exactly right, Judge Gord. And has that pricing structure, I, I think there was some 10 years or so discussion in the briefs, how, how long has that pricing structure been in effect? The pricing structure for the barge? Yes. Um, I, I do not know the answer to that. I can, I can check while I'm sitting down. It was unclear, but, but it does not appear that that scheme has been unchanged since the kind of ten, the last 10-year negotiated pricing for the ferry. That's true. For the ferry that is currently out in our That's country. true. That was not considered. It was not part of, it's never been part of the ferry tram rate. It's never been part of the, you know, reports that are given to the commission or anything like that. That barge, which is perhaps why I don't know the answer, and I apologize, but the, yes, it has never been part of the regulated utility. And who pay? So, and, and ultimately, is there any pass-on costs to the individual? So, is is the companies? In my understanding the scheme, the companies that are ferrying the vehicle over to bring the armoire in the truck or the refrigerator in the truck, they're absorbing those costs and then ultimately passing that on to whoever they're making the deliveries for. Correct. It, it could be, yes, that's one option. I mean, sometimes it's people who live on the island that are having things. Sometimes it's vacationers who are having things delivered or it's workers, you know, that are bringing materials over. Yes, so there's lots of different options there. But it is important, as you brought up, that no, no individual is charged anything for the barge, ever. That the only individuals who happen to be on the barge are allowed by the federal regulations, Judge Murphy, to accompany the commercial vehicles on the barge to, you know, when the, physically drive when the ferry was set, uh, set up originally, I guess, in the 80s, is that right, in Southport? I, uh, this, I believe it was the 90s. The 90s, okay, mistaken, the 90s. Yes. Okay, did, 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 it, did that operation have to be approved by the Utilities Commission to, to operate? The, the ferry, Judge Dillon? Yes. The ferry is indisputably a, a public utility under the statute. And so to, 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 to start the operation, you just can't build a ferry, and then, then, then you, they, they have to approve it. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess okay. you could, but... <laughs> but I mean, yeah. what good is it? I understand right. that. Um, is there anything in the record about what the commission required, or was, was it part of the application that we're going to have this parking lot or anything like that? Was, that, was there anything about that? It was just, we're, we're going to operate a ferry system, we're just trying to get something <coughs> approved, and the it, it parking was, lot was not really part of anything. That's exactly right. It was the ferry and the tram. I mean, the, the certificate... Um, carrier is in, in the record, doesn't say anything about the parking or barge. Again, the, the parking and barge was just never part of this. Um, it just wasn't contemplated. It wasn't part of the, the regulatory scheme here. So the revenue that, it, that the parking lot um, made for the estate never came in issue until 2010? Is that, that right? That is correct. Okay. So turning back to the, the, the definition of a public utility, as, as as Judge Murphy brought up, this statute has been modified several times, by my count, more than 30 times. It, it's not as if the statute was passed in the 1960s and left alone. The General Assembly is aware of this statute and knows what it's doing. There's a very specific and detailed definition of what a public utility is in North Carolina. Nowhere in that statute is there any provision or hint that the commission would have jurisdiction over a parking lot 
or the type of barge that we're talking about here. It's simply not there. And frankly, that should end the case. But wasn't that pretty much the argument that the Supreme Court rejected in Southern Bell 1, that there's this additional scope that can come under regulation even if it's not a public utility? Um, no, Judge Murphy, not at all. I mean, the issue there was the directory was part of the utility that the Supreme Court But there's to. nothing in the statute that says the, the directory it just talks about phone lines and stuff like that. So that, that would be their argument. Is, I mean, because there's no, there's no hint in the statute that says this also covers phone directories, but they... I I'm not talking about the yellow pages part, the, the ads, but just the, the phone directory. Right, so, I, I believe that's correct. The So there's some wiggle room, so why doesn't the parking lot fall within that Supreme Court wiggle room? So, certainly there's some wiggle room, um, and, and I'll agree, but there are two specific provisions that I think are important that weren't even mentioned, let alone analyzed in the village's brief. The first is section 62-2, which says that nothing in the Public Utilities Act can be construed to imply authority for the commission. In other words, the commission has authority within its sphere of jurisdiction, but there's no implicit authority to do anything else. Well, didn't the Supreme Court say you can imply that the phone directory is part of the... But, but I, I, well, let me ask you a question. I'm trying to remember the Southern Bell case. Did Southern Bell have to, as, as part of their grant of the utility, put out a phone directory? They yes, required that. They which said is, that was an integral part or whatever. That is exactly But that right, we don't is, have that here. There was never any... They were allowed to operate their ferry system irrespective of whether they had a parking lot or not. That was never determined. That's it's, exactly. It's certainly convenient, but that's, that's sort of your argument. Okay. Yes. And, and that's a, an important distinction from the Southern Bell cases. The, the other statutory provision, of course, is sec, subsection D2, which that language has moved around, as Judge Murphy noted, um, but that's the provision that recognizes a, a public utility can offer utility services and non-utility services and the General Assembly has specifically said, for the latter, that enterprise cannot be regulated by the utility. So if it's regulated, if your clients wanted to build condos on that parking lot, they couldn't do it without the, I would assume, if it was regulated. So uh, under the current, or, yes. I mean, that, uh, under. You're not free to do whatever you want to with your land. You have to operate a parking lot. As, if it's. At least as the order said. I mean, it appears that anything that these companies do would fall under the commission's jurisdiction. I mean, there's essentially no, no limit at all to what the, the commission has determined its jurisdiction is. That's clearly not what the General Assembly has said or intended, specifically with regard to these two provisions that show the cabined nature of the jurisdiction of the commission. And that's important, Judge Murphy, because again, the utility service being offered here with the ferry and the tram is transportation from the terminal, you know, the marina on the mainland to the destination on the island. That is the utility service. What happens before? Is that defined anywhere in their certificate, like what the service is, what the utility service it, is, it, in any of the prior documents? I know we've got probably 7,000 pages of record, so <laughs> if, if you could narrow me down to 100 pages, that'd be helpful. But yeah, I'm, I, I'm just curious, I don't, is there a definition of, of what the service being provided is? I, I don't think it specifies um, in, in that kind of detail. It does talk about, obviously, the ferry and tram operations, um, but it does not say specifically you know, under section 62-3, this is what the utility service is. But the, the things that happen before that service comes into play, such as whatever people do on the mainland, you know, whether it's park or get food or get gas or whatever, is not part of the utility service. What happens after is not part of the utility service. If, if there's a, you know, a hotel on the island that one of the companies happen to own, that would not be part of the utility either. So again, the utility function in the language of Bell South or the utility service, as chapter 62 says, is what's important. And here, again, the legislature has defined what that utility service is. Is, um, and this goes a little bit more in semantics, I'm sorry to bounce around, I think we've, you've got a little bit of a hot bench with a lot of questions That's today, fine. but um, with Bald Head Island, with the village, do they have the power of eminent domain at all that could be exercised over this property? No, and no, and that's that's a huge issue. In fact, the, the parking lot is in another municipality's jurisdiction, right, Southport, and of course the, the county would have some interest as well. So it, it appears that the, I mean, in some ways the village has attempted to exercise that power through the utilities committee. Well, that, that's what I was going to get at, is from an economic perspective, right now you have some restraint on your ability to freely alienate the property, correct? Under the, yes. It, but there's been no argument that that 
constitutes any type of taking without just compensation, does it? If we found that this was in the utility commission's jurisdiction to regulate. Uh, no, because, and again, the, the village hasn't directly taken the property, right? It has gone to the commission in an effort to affect the, the sale to Sharpview. But no, there has not been a direct taking by the village. But I think that is an important aspect of this case that we're talking about property that's not within the village's jurisdiction. We're talking about property that's in someone else's jurisdiction that obviously has its own interests in how that property is used. I've got, I've got two little questions. One, one is that there's a Supreme Court case, maybe it's the second Southern Bell, I just wrote the site, 326. There's just a phrase in there. You look at the, the, the quote, public utility function, it's not really literal meaning. So how, how do we get around that language? And I have another one about the definition of rate. Yeah, so that goes back to, the, in that case, the, the telephone directory was part of the public utility. It was mandated in the tariff. Um, so it was part of the public utility function. But not I agree the parking lot. You're saying the parking lot wouldn't fall under that. Correct. Okay, the second thing, rate is defined in 62-3. I just, I don't know if this was any brief, but I was just, I was, I just was reading this. It said, it means the compensation you're paid for any contract that affects that compensation. Since the commission can use the parking lot revenue and whatever makes in setting the compensation that they get for the ferry, would a contract to sell the land to a third party be a contract which affects the compensation, would affect the rates that could be charged for the ferry system? Because it, it sounds like the, the, the commission can consider the parking lot revenue in setting the rates. Is that correct? Well, it, it's never been done before. It was done as part of the negotiated settlement. So it was negotiated. So you're not conceding that that's something they, they, they could otherwise No. And in fact, I mean, there was a lot of testimony that this was simply a you know mathematical tool that was used to reach a resolution in that case. But of course, the parties were very specific that this was not to be used against Well, they them. could use the, I mean, well, Southern Bell, they could use the the revenue from the, the ads, I guess, but you're saying that was part of the directory, which was. Correct. That was part of the public utility function. And I believe the term rates is used throughout Chapter 62, talks about rates charged by the public utility doing the public utility service. So, a, again, an, a public utility that's offering non-utility services, those rates would not come into, in the brief we, for example, brought up the sale of appliances by a natural gas company. That may or may not affect the rates of the natural gas, but those sales, the advertising, whatever is associated with the sale of those appliances would not fall within the commission's jurisdiction. The commission has jurisdiction over public utilities that are offering public utility services, and that's it. If I buy a ferry ticket, do I get parking for free, or does that come with it? There's no... No. It's completely separate, and the accounting is completely separate. In fact, one of the ironies here is that the commission demands the accounting be kept separate, that the, the parking and barge, the parking has to be separate, the barge has to be separate from the ferry and tram. So even the commission has recognized that for accounting purposes, those have to be kept separate. So if I go for a week and park in the lot, I buy a parking ticket separately, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. The other, the other flaw with the commission's analysis is that it was based on what it viewed as important or in the public interest. Um, it, another aspect of this case, of course, is that the public staff, which is the group tasked with identifying the public interest, was the group that said the commission should not be regulating this. But rather than credit the public staff's um, view, the commission adopted the view of people who live on the island and said that this should be regulated. But that's not a question for the commission. What should be regulated as a public utility is a question for the legislature. They were addressing the wrong forum. Again, the legislature knows how to address the definition of public utility, and if it deemed some other aspects appropriate for regulation, it would be the legislature that would have to do that, not the commission. But every piece of property is different. So I'm, I'm just trying to think, so what would the world look like down there if condos were built on that parking lot. What would life be like for people that lived on Broadhead Island? That one, I mean, it, instead of the parking lot? Yeah, you like the parking lot. Take, take down the parking lot and condos? Yeah, I mean, people would have to find other options. They could Uber, someone, I mean, there's vacant property nearby, someone could buy that property and put up a parking lot. There's a public access easement to the terminal. So nothing is preventing a competitor from coming in. I mean, as you said earlier, of course it's convenient, as any good business is you know, would do, would make it as convenient as possible for people who are using the ferry, which, which is also why there's a snack bar at the terminal, you know, another 
convenience for the people who are going to use the ferry, but that doesn't mean that the snack bar would be regulated, nor does it mean that the parking lot would be regulated. So obviously there's, there's a benefit to having the parking lot there, nobody's disputing that, but that doesn't mean it suddenly turns it into a public utility subject to regulation by the commission. Of course, the, the separation of powers issue that's underlying this is that as we all know, the legislature is the one that writes the law, the executive branch is the one that enforces the law as written, and here again we have an, an agency that's doing something else, that's creating its own definition of jurisdiction. Well, they do, they do have the obligation to make sure there's, quote, reasonable, adequate service. Utility service, yes. No dispute, the commission has broad jurisdiction over the ferry and tram. Anything that is part of that transportation from the terminal to the destination on the island. You know, any changes in the rates on the ferry have to go through the commission. The, for example, the baggage fees, um, which here people can bring certain baggage for free, but if the, if the ferry wanted to change what the baggage fees were, that would have to go through the commission because it's part of that utility function of transporting from the mainland to the island. So yes, the commission certainly has jurisdiction over the utility function, but here we're talking about things that have never previously been defined as a utility function and we believe under the plain reading of chapter 62 are not defined by the legislature as a utility function. Let me ask you, sorry, real quick, based upon the reasoning of the commission, <clears throat> articulate for me how the two operate separate and apart. It seems like they're kind of hinging the barge and the ferry having to be working together or, you know, how are they is, could one exist without the other, is, is my question. Uh, yes. I mean, again, the, the ferry and tram could operate on their own. At least previous to this case, my clients could have sold the parking lot to someone else and let them run it completely. They would have been completely separate. Those rates would have presumably not been regulated by the commission. They could have handled all of those things. So the fact that business entities make it convenient for people who are making the journey does not mean that they're inseparable or somehow fall within the commission's jurisdiction. Is there another way to get an armoire on that island? If I, if, I don't, if, if I want to get a big piece of furniture on that island and I, I don't want to use it, is there another way? Can I take my own boat? Or? Yes, you can take your own boat. People there's a, there's can take their own yachts. There are 88 boat slips. Um, so yes, and that's one of the interesting things here, right, is that if someone parked in the parking lot and took their private vessel to the island, that that transaction apparently would still fall within the utilities jurisdiction under the order even though they're not even using the ferry and tram. I mean that's another problem with the scope of the utility commission's order here. So there are other options um, and, and again nothing's preventing other options from popping up. It's just that as successful businesses they've made it convenient for those who are using the services here. Let me um, ask um, you have Southern Bell, and it says what it says. Southern Bell won. If the commission, taking putting aside the consent agreement y'all had in 2010 or whenever it was, if the commission had come in and said, okay, we're not going to try to regulate the parking lot, we're not going to try to regulate the barge, but we are going to include those in calculating your rate for the ferry such as what was happening in Southern Bell 1. Would that have been proper or improper under the, the framework? How, how would that get out from under Southern Bell 1? It, it would certainly be a lot closer, Judge Murphy, but it would still be improper because the parking is not part of the public utility function. So again, in, in the Southern Bell cases, the court was very clear that the production of the directory was not in itself a public utility. However, it was mandated and part of the public utility function. Here, the parking and barge have never been part of the public utility function. So it would actually be improper to include those rates. If you sold the, the lot and the barge off, what would happen if the commission came back and said, we're going to require you to have a parking lot, we're going to require you to have a barge service, such as with the, the white page listings? I'm, I'm not aware of any statutory authority that would allow the commission to do that. Again, the, the commission only has authority over utility services. So unless, 
unless the court disagrees with my argument that parking and roll on roll off larger utility services, then the commission couldn't do that. Well, they could try to deem that you're not providing adequate service by not having a parking lot. I adequate, guess that, that, I guess if, if that were the approach, that the, the ferry service was inadequate because there was nowhere for people to park, uh, I think that would be a, a much harder question for this court to answer. That would at least be within, you know, the the realm of possibility of the commission's jurisdiction, but that's not what the order did here. Certainly, certainly nothing in the order suggests that that's what the commission was doing. They said separately, the parking lot is itself subject to the jurisdiction of the commission. The barge is itself subject to the jurisdiction of the commitment. Did they base that on a finding that you can't, that the service wouldn't be adequate? No, uh, I don't, I don't think the there's any, any finding in the order that says that, Judge Dillon. Did you specifically challenge um, the finding that was being operated as a de facto monopoly? We did not specifically okay. challenge that. Um, it's, it's a little. It's that it's not really relevant to the conclusions. Is kind of your argument, but it's not a challenge to the and de facto it, monopoly. Staff. It's a little unclear what the the commission meant by that. I mean, if they meant there is no current competitor, then then certainly we don't challenge that. I mean, that, that's undisputed. There was no dispute about that. If they meant de facto monopoly as in wielding monopoly power, then yes, we've disputed that in the briefs that monopoly power requires anti-competitive conduct, which was not alleged or shown here. Is there no further? Okay. I, I, I'm just trying to think. Justice Exum mentioned a little bit about that in the Southern Bell one about de facto versus de jure and the Supreme Court kind of rejected there really being a difference. Correct, and the, I mean, the, what's difficult here is the commission didn't explain what, what that meant, so I, I'm slightly at a loss of where they were intending to go with that, but certainly the evidence was undisputed. I mean, even the village's economist said there was no anti-competitive conduct that he was aware of. There's no dispute that there's no current competitor, but there's also no dispute that a current competitor couldn't come in. So the fact that the rates have been reasonable for so long that the companies have been successful does not show you know, a monopoly as that would be under the Sherman Act or anything of that sort. You still got your five minutes. Right. Thank you. I'll give you a few more minutes if you need it. We'll hear from the appellee. Good afternoon. May it please the court. I'm Marcus Trathan uh, with Brooks Pierce, hearing, uh, appearing on behalf of the complainant appellee, uh, Village of Bald Head Island. Um, I, I would also say attending here with me in the audience are uh, Peter Quinn, Mayor of Bald Head Island, along with Scott Gardner, the Mayor Pro Tem. Now, appellants um, argue essentially that nothing in the utility statutes permits regulation of parking barge by name, so that's the end of the matter. I mean, that's their essential argument here. This is not and cannot be the law. As the commission would be hamstrung in its duty to protect the public uh, from monopoly abuses if its authority was read in such a restricted fashion. I guess, counsel, on that very issue is, is my question. What are the potential harms since the barge is being regulated by the Coast Guard? Um, the pricing scheme seems to have been in place for many years. What are the public harms that the commission is addressing by adding this barge to its jurisdiction? As I'm, I'm not seeing a lot since the regulation and safety by the Coast Guard is in place. Has it been under the umbrella of the commission? What harms by bringing it in are they reaching to protect? So with respect to the barge, it, uh, the barge is regulated from a safety perspective, but only a safety perspective, nothing else. And it's clear, I believe as council has conceded, that there's no preemption issue at work. They have not argued that because they can't. Uh, so what is the harm of having an unregulated monopoly barge service? Well, the issue is certainly the, the issue of there being an unregulated monopoly. As the commission found in its order, 
there's no reason to have a ferry if you don't have a barge. They work together. The barge brings all of the lifeblood, of the, all the supplies, all the food, uh, household goods, uh, vendors, uh, service people. It brings all that over on the barge. And so if, if you're in a situation, you've got people with their homes, visitors relying on the barge, which is subject to no regulatory control whatsoever, what is to stop whoever it owns the barge from saying, okay, the price for coming over is, you know, a million dollars, whatever it is. And so, or what if we, they decide that they want to sell it to someone else that doesn't, you know, is in it for some other reason and isn't really concerned about operating the barge in the best interest of the island? That's no, the point of the price point being set is noted. However, council, it's been a long time running and there's hadn't been any issues. So I'm trying to get my brain around wh where the pinch is to the harm because <clears throat> being somebody that smells salt water on a regular basis, I'm finding a hard time understanding that that dog hunts, that one can't operate without the other. So get, yeah. me, get me to an argument based upon the reasoning in the, in the commission, I see it. <clears throat> But saying they can't operate separately based upon how long it's been operating, get me there. Well, let, let, me, let me pause and say respectfully, Judge Gore, that harm is not an element of the test. I understand why you're asking. It's a reasonable question. Let me respond to that. But it is... Yes, and so, so it's, it's not an element of the task before us. And it's, it's our position, and there were some questions about this, that the barge itself is a public utility. The commission found all the facts, the statutory facts, prerequisite to their it being declared a public utility. And the, the concept of there being a regulation is that a monopoly service, it's in the public interest that a monopoly service be regulated. Without there being a showing of, there's an argument about whether there's not been a showing of um, anti-competitive abuse. Well, the regulations don't require that. The whole concept of regulation, of public utility regulation, turns on the inherent necessity where you've got a service which is a monopoly, which is a utility that everybody has to use. There needs to be regulatory oversight. Now, with respect to this particular set of facts. Let me just if, ask, I'm, I'm confused by the way you're, you're kind of tossing words and, and equating them, where in 62-2 does it say you can't have a monopoly generally? And it's only about regulating public utility monopolies. So just because it's something that people might need, the legislature hasn't defined it as a utility, and it just happens to be within the, the scope I feel like we're, we're, we're mixing our, our definitions up. Is there something in 62-2 in the, you know, the declaration of, of policy of the state that says monopoly's bad and people need something, we're gonna regulate it? And how they get that, it? It's not, it's not that it's bad. I think that the pe people would take the opposite side of that, that with respect to public utilities, there's an inherent good in operating it as a monopoly. But the other side of that coin is there's inherent abuses that can occur when you've got a monopoly service, and that's the reason for there being the need for regulation. I guess so on, on that issue, and as, you, as it answers that question, has the commission gone after or has there been any thought to have the commission look into private boat captains who ferry individuals from Southport you know, Caswell Beach, Holden Beach, to Ballhead? Because my understanding, unless I'm miss, missing something, the commission doesn't have a taxi fee or any other, you know, licensing fee on private boat captains for providing a service like that to ferry people over just as the ferry does. And that is a public utility. So my question is, on the monopoly standpoint, there are individuals operating just like the ferry, but are under the commission's umbrella. 
So how do you, how do you balance that issue? Well, it's a monopoly service. If you're operating a ferry or a ferry service, you have to get a certificate from the commission. You have to make a demonstration that there was the need for that. And, you, and I bring and that up. That's, that's not argued, but you understand the analogy that I'm bringing to you that that does happen. There's private boat captains that ferry people over to the island, and they aren't regulated, from my understanding, under the commission as a public utility. So, I, I think the issue, that issue hasn't been brought to the commission. Uh, so they haven't reached the question of how they would regulate that. But if it's operating as a ferry, you've got to be, you've got to come and get a certificate from the commission, and then the commission would, you know, have to decide whether there was a showing of need for that service. But if I could kind of get back to the, the core issue here, and I want to make something really clear, if I, if I could, that's been confused um, um, with respect to the, the issues here is that um, the holding here of the commission was that it was in the public interest to exercise jurisdiction and regulatory authority over parking and barge as ancillary components of the utility operation and under the commission's parental oversight powers. That's the whole okay? The commission did not hold that parking and barge was standing alone a public utility service, okay? In other words, the commission made clear that it wasn't asserting jurisdiction generally over parking and barge as standalone operations, which is what the appellants spend 90% of the time talking about. They're talking about, well, it's not in the definition of Read public that first program. They found what now? They determined what about the they, So this is, this is a statutory interpretation. Okay, so they said, what, what did they say? They said it was they, what? They, what they said was it's in the public interest to exercise the jurisdiction and regulatory authority over parking and barge as ancillary components of the utility operation and under the commission's parental oversight powers. Two different statutes cited as the source of this authority. One is the ancillary provision, and the second is the parental oversight provision. The second provision uh, gives the commission the ability to declare a parent entity to be a public utility if it finds that its service is, affects the rates and service of the underlying public utility. And that's what the commission did in this case. It made those findings with respect to limited. Limited, it has been declared to be a public utility, but in, additionally, in, in addition, the service itself being parking and barge has been declared to be ancillary to the ferry operation, which is a public utility service. Let me ask you about how the barge works, because they said that the way the barge works is you drive vehicles on the barge. I mean, do they ever have, like, does somebody just put a big crate on it? Or is, are they always on a vehicle? So this is not, um, I do think that they, they do put things, I don't know if it's a big crate, but they do put things on the barge itself as opposed to just a vehicle. But the vast majority, my understanding, is it's a drive-on, drive-off barge. That's how it's been characterized. But I do want to make clear, we're not talking about a palletized barge that you may be familiar with, right? You're driving vehicles on, you're driving vehicles off, and these vehicles, there's, there's a question I think that you'd asked about homeowners, uh, Judge Dillon, uh, and there is evidence in the record of homeowners bringing household goods on the barge. They bring it over on the U-Haul or they've got their own trailer, they put a sofa, whatever it is, there is evidence in the record of that, that occurs. Uh, with respect to household goods. Um, so it, it's, it's a vehicle that you drive on the barge, and it could be any manner of different things that's on the vehicle. And it, with that example, Council, is wouldn't this, hypothetically, you buy something from rooms to go, they bring their truck over and make delivery. But if you decided to pick up that couch yourself, put it on the back of your you know, pickup truck, you could drive on the ferry and not have to take the barge to go on that. No, you can't drive on the ferry. You can only, only drive on the barge. So, the, so just that one. That yes, one. Sir. Okay. So you would have to ride the ferry if you were not a commercial or private entity bringing a truck over. So that's a, ve a vehicle-based barge. It's If you were a homeowner and that you were purchasing something, want to bring it home, you do have the ability, if you have the, the ICE permit from the island, to drive 
the vehicle yourself on the barge and take it to your house, and then you drive the vehicle off. And so in that, in that scenario, I wouldn't be dependent upon the ferry at all if I was just exclusively using the barge, correct? Right. The, the ferry is not used for this, this sort of bringing back and forth. This is what the barge is for, is to take the items which are too large for the ferry. And so there wouldn't be any codependency or... There's absolutely codependency, and that's exactly what the commission found. Well, I'm, let me finish my question, and then I'll, I'll let you answer. In that scenario, there appears, unless I'll give you an opportunity to explain how it's codependent, if I'm getting that, that couch, driving it on the barge, driving it and dropping it off, coming back to the barge, and then leaving the island and, and going about my business, and I pay two teenagers that live over there to take it up to the place that it's being delivered, where's the codependency on the ferry as it pertains to that delivery for that couch on the barge? Yeah, I agree. You're not on the, you're not riding the ferry. You're not buying a ferry ticket. Absolutely correct. What my, my point is that with respect to the findings made by the commission with respect to ancillary authority, what they said was it's an, it's an integrated service. So it is an operation with, there's, there's no need for the ferry if you don't have a barge. People aren't going to come over if they can't eat. Okay, if there's nothing in their house, if they can't get supplies, they're not going to come on the ferry. It's an interconnected service. You've got to have one to have the other. And so you've got the issue of, you know, items that are too large for the ferry come over from the barge. Uh, and then so it what is if, all what if I up. use a private boat slip and I and I come every year and I've been coming for 20 years and I got access to a private boat slip and I put my private boat in the water and drive over and use that private boat slip and I never used the ferry for 20 years of coming and staying at the same property how is that individual dependent upon the ferry there are some small number of people that own their own boats but what we're talking about is public access so public access is confined to this monopoly service um, so, if, if I could just finish up with respect to the barge, and I want to move back to the parking, if, if, if I could, I, I, would, I would just say that it's our position that the Commission has found all of the facts which would support a finding that the barge itself is a public utility. If, you, if this Court concludes that the Commission's decision with respect to ancillary authority is unsupported, we ask you to declare that it is a public utility because those facts have already been found. At a minimum, th this issue was not reached, it was reserved, so at a minimum it would have to go back to the commission for a decision on that issue. That's with the now, barge. That's uh, on the barge. Back. Okay, now, now you're yes. going to the parking lot now. Yes. So with respect to parking, <clears throat> um, it, so you this, the citation to the, the Southern Bell case is exactly on point. Um, so what, um, what, they, what the appellants are arguing here is that the commission is prohibited from exercising jurisdiction over any assets or activity other than the spe specific list of utility activities set out in the definition of a public utility. Okay. So as I said before, the commission did not declare that these activities, that, let's talk about the parking lot now, they didn't declare that it was a public utility generally. So they're asking the wrong question. The question is, as regards parking, isn't whether it's a public utility, it's whether it's providing a utility function. And that's what the Southern Bell cases uh, did. So in the, the first Southern Bell case from 1983, court dealt with whether or not directory advertising revenues should be included in utility rate making. Now, <clears throat> that's an interesting question because that is exactly comparable to what has been done since 2010 with respect to parking revenues on Ballhead. In the 2010 rate case, the commission uh, issued this <coughs> imputing revenues from parking over to the ferry operation. And um, just like appellants here, Southern Bell in that case 
and this quote, vigorously argued that the directory advertising was not an essential part of the public utility function. Quote, Southern Bell points out that the actual transmission of messages across telephone lines does not rely on the yellow pages being available. <clears throat> okay? And the court rejected that interpretation in, strident, in a strident fashion. Court held, quote, such an interpretation of the public utility function is far too narrow. Southern Bell's utility function is to provide adequate service to suggest that the mere transmission of messages across telephone lines is adequate television, telephone service is ludicrous. That's the quote from the case. So what the Supreme Court is characterizing as a ludicrous legal position is what appellants are arguing here. Southern Bell said, our public utility service is transmitting messages across the telephone lines. That's what the statute says. Let me ask you a question about the Southern Bell case, because as I understand it, they said that the listings are part of the integral part of the public utility, but there's, a, there's language in one of the cases, but if they choose to do the advertising, they better put the phone number down right or you can sue for it, but, it, but they don't have to. Could, um, the, could the appellants, if they want to, just stop using as a parking lot and just put condos on there? If they just wanted to put condos on that, is their land, do they have the authority to do that without the Utility Commission's blessing? So that is the concern, is in the absence of... Because a phone company could stop selling yellow page ads if they want to. They had to do the white pages, but if they wanted to... Because as I understand the case, if they're going to do the yellow pages, they can consider it for rates because it's, because it's part of the white pages or whatever. They didn't have to do it. Um, and somebody else could do it if they wanted to. So I'm just wondering, is their land, unless it's a white page analogy with the listings in it, is it more analogous to the white pages for the listing that they have to do, or is it just something actually that they can do that you can consider for rates? So could they put condos on there if they wanted to and just tear down the parking lot and just say, no more ferry parking, we're, we're just going to build condos here? Correct, yeah. In the absence of, of regulation, uh, it's... So would you say that the commission, is, is your contention that the commission could stop them from putting condos on? They well, have to use it as a parking lot. Well, the, so our position is, as the commission found, parking is an integral part of the utility service. So it's like service. the white pages, not the, not the yellow pages. It's an integral part of the utility service, so they have to make accommodation for parking. I think what would happen in that sort of case is, is, is the utility would come to the commission and say, here's our plan, and here's our plan for accommodating parking. Okay? I guess, Council, since the parking lot has been there for so long, and been unregulated, how does that reasoning say now is time for it to be regulated? Well, and I didn't get to fully respond to your question earlier, and if I could just circle back in this context. We're in a much different environment than we have been historically. So historically, you've got the developer which is trying to sell lots. That's their primary economic interest is we're trying to develop the island. And if you're developing the island, you want to make it easy, convenient, reasonable, cheap to get on the island. We're now at a different time. The developer is leaving, right? And so they're selling these assets. They've developed this system, which, as the commission has found, is being operated as an integrated whole. So all right, I'm not making this up. This is the facts which the commission found based on the record, that it's being held out to the public as an integrated operation. They don't say, well, the, the parking's owned by somebody else or you could do this or that. They say, come use our ferry and here's where you park. If you want, if you need to get a large item over, here's the bar. It's all the one thing. That's what the commission found. Now, in an environment where these are piece parts and you're selling it to the highest bidder, who knows what happens to parking? Does, does a buyer care about whether or not the ferry is served? Or do they just want to build a hotel there? I guess that that gets us to the question of okay, you know, the the private versus public. Would there be anything stopping the the sophistication uh, of of the town personnel coordinating with Southport to work out a deal for some other property? Um, I, I know because obviously we are in different times. We, there's all kind of things happening in the area that, through whatever reason, there's flooding there by fishy fishy and all kind of other things that are causing major problems down there in Southport and make it difficult for folks to enjoy the area. So we have to be creative. But is there anything that would prohibit them from working other deals outside of this private versus public kind of argument? 
what, what we have in the record for us mm -hmm. is a finding of the commission that there is no reasonably substitutable option for parking. Okay. okay. That's what the record shows. That's their finding. That finding has not been challenged by appellants. Uh, and so it's binding on this court. Let me ask this, kind of going from that, the, the condos hypo or building hotel. If, if a storm came and took out um, kind of the pavement and sunk the barge, would... Took would, out the pavement and yeah, sunk the Yeah, if the paved parking got all torn up, okay. um, got ruined, the barge sinks, the, um, the respondents here decide it's not economically feasible for them to, to rebuild. They don't want to. They want to go on and do something else or, you know, just turn it into an open park. Could the utility commission force them to expend money under this current order to rebuild the parking facilities and to purchase another barge and put it back into operation? So the commission has jurisdiction under the current order. The extent and scope of the jurisdiction over barge and parking has not been <coughs> determined. All they said is, you can't sell it without coming to us, right? So the scope of the jurisdiction is, is something still to be worked out. But just in, in sort of general terms, when you have a certificate to operate the service, the commission does expect you to operate it. However, the commission doesn't expect you to operate it if you can't make a return on it. So they can't, it would be a taking to require you to do something which is impossible. Um, so in that scenario where things are wiped out, there's a discussion with the commission is what's your plan, okay? If you're not going to operate it, who is? So, uh, yes, theoretically the commission could issue an order saying, well, you've got to do this or that, but they can't issue that, such an order unless you can make a return uh, based on, you know, the rate-making formulas that the commission uses for that investment. What was meant in Southern Bill 2? I, I see the sentence and it throws me off. It's kind of talking about what... Southern Bell was required to do with the white page listings, but while Southern Bell, the regulated public utility, is the entity which is required by tariff to publish the telephone directory. What is meant by required by tariff? What's, what's the Supreme Court talking about there? Well, so um, <clears throat> I have not reviewed the tariff my, myself, but I can only take at face values that the part of, of Southern Bell's tariff, their statement to the world as to what their service offering is, is that they'll offer this directory. Is there anything like that that's comparable here that as part of the operation of the ferry, they hold out to the world, they're gonna offer um, barge services, they're gonna offer parking services? Well, that is that is what they're holding out to the world on their website and what they've communicated publicly as the commission uh, found. <clears throat> but, you know, critical to the ancillary uh, jurisdiction finding or, or the various you know, you, at root basically what the commission is saying is you can't have a ferry without parking and there's no need for a ferry without the barge right and so it made a number of, of findings supporting the necessity for having parking and it really was not disputed the um, limited zone expert witnesses conceded the, the necessity for commission uh, supervision of parking the public staff agreed that this is a unique service uh, that you've got to have parking available or the ferry is useless. They found fa facts that it was necessary, that it was integral, is the only means of public access to the ferry, that it's interconnected, that it's operated as part of a unified system. These are all findings from the record which have been uh, unchallenged here. So they are, are binding for purposes of this appeal. Now, I, I would say that I think it's important to understand that um, <clears throat> this is, it's, it's a careful and cautious order. And this is not how my friends on the other side would characterize it. But as I've said, the commission could have, in our view, should have asserted direct regulation of the barge. It chose not to. It chose to exercise ancillary jurisdiction, which is a more you know, modest regulatory approach by saying it's ancillary to the, to the ferry. So consistent with kind of the cautious nature of the order, it only applies to this specific set of facts. Um, so importantly, uh, 
What the commission found, based on the evidence in front of it, was this is a unique fact setting. So, I mean, one of the things you're going to be concerned about is, well, who else might this apply to? Well, the answer is no one. So there was no evidence, no one could produce any example anywhere in the nation of a, of a transportation system that met the same regulatory criteria here, where you didn't have, you've got an island community accessible only by a monopoly ferry, parking where there's no other options. The usual situation, there's lots of situations where you've only got one ferry, but the usual situation is the, the terminal is in a metropolitan area where there's five parking decks within, and that's not the case here. You, you can't get to the terminal except by using this park. So the point is, this is a, it's a, it's a unique situation. No one could find an example that met all the criteria here anywhere else uh, in the country. So for the sake of argument, let's just say that the uh, estate didn't own that side, that parking lot, but maybe my family owned it. And so I, I'm like, good, I can make some money off this land because land is unique. And Bald Head Island gets developed and developed and people rely on that. And now I decide I want to go, I want to sell it or do something like, would I be subject to the commission? Could they, could they determine that that parking lot is, is integral to the operation of those other people's ferry systems? I mean, could they do that? Or is it the fact that the, the parking lot and the ferry system is owned by the same people that makes it integral? I mean, so what if they didn't own the parking lot, somebody else did and they made all this money? And well, that's, why it's, uh, that's why it's important, Your Honor, to have this decision made now so we understand the regulatory implications of this property. So if it's sold to some unrelated party, that they understand that this is, uh, you know, this is a, a regulated parcel. And, and the, the thing is that the Deep Point facility was developed. One of the animating reasons for the Deep Point facility is so that they could have this parking. It's not like they backed into this. This was always part of this integrated operation for this facility, and then they recognized the need for more parking. So it's not like it, this is a surprise or saying, oh, my goodness, all of a sudden people are coming in and saying this is regulated. Well, it's always been effectively operated as one, uh, one facility, and since 2010, the commission has been exercising a species of regulation by imputing revenues and, and various other things over the operation. So. And you've got a couple minutes over. Yeah, you got one more you got a couple. You've got a couple more minutes if you need it. Let, let me ask one more before you, you start wrapping up. If um, reading Commissioner Duffley's um, concurrent part, dissent part, record 652 to 654, if we, we were to adopt her reasoning and her outcomes, what does that mean on the ground? Um, you know, what, what are we looking at well, given her kind of, she has a little bit of a split when it comes to the parking operation and and kind of goes against you on, on the barge operation. What does that look like? Kind of explain it to me a little bit more in kind of layman's terms, if you would. Yes. Uh, so she, she did agree with the majority with respect to asserting parent, parental authority uh, over, over parking. Um, but um, she disagreed with respect to the barge. And her reasoning was that since there was nothing in the ferry CPCN that referenced barge that she didn't think it should be operated uh, under that CPCN. So uh, she didn't address any of the other legal analysis. She didn't address whether or not it met the criteria for ancillary jurisdiction, um, and she, or excuse me, parental jurisdiction, and she didn't address whether the barge itself was a public utility. So if you just adopt if you just adopt where she is, you would affirm with respect to parking, and you would either, I believe the appropriate thing would be to enter a, an order concluding that the barge is a public utility because of the factual findings made by the majority in the order, and just issue an order that the barge is a public utility, or at a minimum, send it back to the commission for a decision uh, on that specific issue since it wasn't reached uh, uh, by the commission. So uh, I just to, to sum up, if I could, um, it's, the decision is it's thorough, it's well-reasoned, it's consistent with the precedent from the Supreme Court and the Southern Bell cases. It, it, and I didn't get to talk about the parental authority cases that 
try to prevent corporate gaming. It's consistent with those cases as well. We cite that in our brief. Um, so in the worst case here, if the decision is upheld, the transportation system continues to operate as it has, serving the island. If it's reversed, there is a potential for grave consequences for the island as documented by the commission and its order. Would people invest in the island if they can't be ensured fair and reasonable public access? And if the commission accepts the appellant's invitation to essentially nullify ancillary jurisdiction and parental jurisdiction, which is what they're asking, this will lead to a parade of unintended consequences with respect to other utilities. The commission will lose important tools to help protect the public from harm when services are provided on a regulatory monopoly uh, basis. So um, <clears throat> they're, they're asking you to issue an opinion on an order the commission didn't issue. It didn't find that these were public utility services standing alone. They're asking you to disregard the applicable standard of review that applies in a utility matter. They're asking you to nullify the statutes relied upon by the commission in its order, and they're asking you to essentially overrule the application of these statutes in Bell South and also this, the Nana Haley case with respect to corporate gamesmanship. So for, for all those reasons, um, we would respectfully ask that the order be affirmed. Thank you. Thank you. from the appellant. You have five minutes. I just had a few quick points. Um, so the village has described the order as cautious, but on page 650 of the record, the commission order says, it is ordered as follows, that the parking operations are subject to the commission's jurisdiction and regulatory authority, period. That the barge operations are subject to the commission's jurisdiction and regulatory authority, period. There's nothing cautious about that. There's no limitation on what the commission can do going forward. It has now said, if this order is affirmed, that it has jurisdiction over these operations. Judge Murphy, you asked about the tariff um, comparable to the Bell South case. Yes, there is a tariff. It's very detailed, and it does not mention parking or barge operations anywhere in it. Do you have a record site? I knew you were going to ask, and no, I do not, okay. and I apologize. Okay. I'm happy to submit a supplemental brief if, if it would be helpful. Um, I apologize I, I, for not I would that. appreciate that. Um, the other thing, it sounds like the parties agree here that the court's task is to look at what is being done, and the question is whether that is a utility function. Well, if, if that's the question, parking is not a utility function. There, there are parking places where you pay a fee all over the state and the country. It's a huge industry. I parked in one today. It is not a utility function. So to say that somehow because it is on a place next to where a ferry operates does not transform the, the service into a public utility. And is there, what do you take, you know, talking about your tariff and it's not there, um, just taking your word for that right now, obviously, but what about his argument, the website suggests that, you know, this is all functioning together and it's, it's really saying park here to take the ferry. Um, yeah. where, where, where does that factor into what the utility service being held out should be considered. So, uh, should we look at that? Should we look at the tariff? What what, what is the? Well, I, do, I, I think the tariff answers a question about what is the scope of the utility. Certainly, and this is what I said in in the earlier argument. It's it's good business, right? The the parking lot is there. Why why would a company who owns a parking lot not direct customers to that opportunity? But that doesn't that doesn't change the analysis under the statute of whether it's a utility or not. Same with, you know, I mentioned the food service being offered, right? I mean, the fact that there's a, a sign advertising the snack bar where you can get a hamburger does, doesn't mean that that suddenly becomes a utility. The question is under the statute whether the service that's being offered is a utility, and parking and the type of barge we're talking about here simply is not. And in fact, you know, as According to the briefs, no court in the country has held that this type of operation would be a public utility. This, this court, if it were to affirm, would be the first, apparently, in the, in the country to hold that. And of course, the commission isn't even here defending its own order. The only, the only party here who's arguing is the village, not even the commission. And, and finally, I just wanted to bring back Judge Young. You asked about the harm, and, and as I understood the village's argument, it is that there's an, 
Anytime there's an unregulated monopoly, then the commission should have jurisdiction over it. That's simply not what the Public Utilities Act says. If the village feels that something should be regulated, again, that needs to go to the legislature. That's the branch that can address that question. Um, and that's frankly why this case should have been dismissed from the start. We, we submitted the Cube Yadkin case as supplemental authority where this court held that there was frankly no justiciable controversy because everything in the case was hypothetical about what might happen in the future. That's the same thing here. It hasn't been sold. The commission itself said the rates are reasonable. We're going to keep the status quo. But in the, in the event that it's sold and rates change in the future, then we want to be able to deal with it. Well, that's not an appropriate basis for the court, to, for the commission to rule, excuse me. Do you agree with the village's characterization of Commissioner Duffley's uh, concurrent part and dissent in part, or do you have a different take on it? And I agree. Frankly, I, I think it's a little unclear um, what exactly she's saying, but I do agree that she, as I read it, she was saying that the she agreed with the majority on the parking and disagreed on the barge. So if, if this court were to adopt, then I, I believe I heard the village say that, yes, I would agree. That would mean affirming the, um, the jurisdiction over the parking and not over the barge. Thank you. Thank you. We will take it under advisement. Thank you for those great arguments.